what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. What is good, everybody? Hello, hello. We are gonna talk about a phrase today that you probably have heard before. It is blessed to be a blessing, right? So we're going to really dive into how you go from blessed to becoming a blessing because there is a shift there and you probably have heard that and it actually comes from Genesis. It's Genesis 12 and God is speaking to Abraham and he's promising him. He says, you will be a blessing. He's actually saying, I will bless you, God says to Abraham, and you will be a blessing and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's Genesis 12, two through three. So it's really a first step here to a much bigger plan to extend that blessing through Abraham to all the people on earth. Okay, so it's much, much bigger than we can think or imagine. But I think we hear that phrase and it's casual and it's interesting because this was put on my heart today and it's not something that I speak on often. So I have a strong sense that it is timely and relevant, particularly in the times that we are in as well. So I want to highlight a term that came to my attention recently. It is a term probably more known in psychology or counseling, but there's a phrase called conspicuous consumption. Conspicuous consumption. And here's what it means. Expenditure on or consumption of luxuries on a lavish scale in an attempt to enhance one's prestige. So social media. is what immediately came to mind is where you can really see a lot of this conspicuous consumption. Or you might have encountered folks as well where they have a really nice vehicle, but they're only putting $5 of gas in it, right? Or they have a certain look about them. Maybe they're wearing all designer, right? But they're not paying their bills on time. Or Maybe they are showing and portraying all of these luxuries on social media, but perhaps they're in a hotel or it's a background that they're using. It's not even real, but it is intended to portray a certain level of prestige, but also it is identity formation. I believe that I am valuable if I look this way, if I have this image. If I am perceived in this light, that makes me valuable, okay? So another example is practice of purchasing goods or services to publicly display wealth rather than to cover basic needs. If we have to look at our society, there are many examples of conspicuous consumption, designer clothes, expensive jewelry, luxury cars, etc. Now, what I do want to highlight is I am not here to label that good, bad, right, or wrong. I am not a conspicuous consumption policeman or policewoman. That is not 
my agenda. However, I do notice that there is so much emphasis placed on image and not the inner man. There's so much energy put into how we are perceived and how we are representing ourselves to the world, not actually the character that we are developing. There's a huge gap there, and I feel strongly that is that that is a huge disservice to all those that need shining examples of how to have a strong identity, how to steward well what they've been given, and how to really have an impact in the world that doesn't create such anxiety, right? Like, it's not fun to have a car and have an image, but be freaking out on the inside because you can't take care of it. That is not freedom by any stretch of the imagination, right? So how do we shift things? Because that's not blessed, right? That's pretending to be blessed, and God cannot bless who you pretend to be, okay? So I'm going to break down a few things about how to make this shift between just blessed to becoming a blessing, all right? And that is radical honesty. (laughs) It's got to start with radical honesty. You always, before going to a next level, have to accept where you are. You have to acknowledge where you are so that you can build, okay? And that you can restructure things. So this is going to be a message that's focusing a lot on finances. I did a YouTube video just the other day. So if you haven't followed on YouTube, you can get a lot more messages like this as well. It's just Juliana Page on YouTube. And in this particular episode, I was talking about divine dates to recalibrate. Divine dates to recalibrate. And I shared that this is essential because we often get out of alignment. It doesn't take much given the world we live in. A simple distraction here, an extra workload here, right? Not maintaining a boundary here, watching so much TV over here. There's things that can take us out. And an example that I shared is just like the captain of a ship, right? A massive ship. He has a set navigation point for where he is directing the ship to go, okay? If he doesn't check in with that navigation point, it does not take much for that ship to get off course and to start drifting into a very different direction, which would lead them to a very different point, okay? So he is constantly paying attention to where the ship is going so that it can be navigated to the right place and end up in the right destination, Now, another thing that I talked about, and I'm going to bring it out right here, is there's actually a pyramid of mastery. I use this in coaching a lot. There's also a wheel of life. And I'm going to tie this into why these divine dates to recalibrate are necessary and how to do it simply. And then we'll dive into the finances and I'll give you some practical steps to integrate into your life because I'm all about that. All right. So... In this period of self, or in this period, (laughs) oh my God, in this pyramid, there we go. So picture a giant triangle of self-mastery. You have your foundation and then you build on top of that. And there's seven different elements on here. Now, I don't know that I personally agree with the order, but I will just give you an example of the areas, okay? So we have our physical body, we have our emotions, and we put energy in motion, 
right? We emote when we assign meaning to things. When we decide what something means, we put energy in motion. Relationships, time, work, career, mission, finances, which is where we're going to hone in on today, and then contribution or our spirituality and our spiritual sense of self, okay? So that's the pyramid. Now, with a wheel of life, you would take those items on a pyramid and you would rate them on a scale of one to 10. So physical body, maybe you're at an eight, okay? Maybe relationships, you're at a five. Maybe finances, you're at a three, right? What it's going to do, it's going to highlight areas where you've drifted a bit, where you're off course, where you really are aware of things not being aligned. I will say that I go into this very deeply in my book, God's Vibes Matter, co-laboring with God, because as I mentioned, I do believe that that wheel of life is fundamentally flawed because it keeps us at the center of this wheel and we decide what makes us happy or not. And that doesn't always guarantee our fulfillment. What if God is at the center? How do you rate those areas differently? For example, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being you're in step with God on this and one or zero being you haven't even invited God into this situation. Where are you at, right? Like how connected to God are you in your life? Because apart from God, we can do no good thing, right? Apart from God, we are nothing. Sure, I am not denying because I lived many years this way, but I'm not denying that you can create a lot of results and achieve a lot apart from God. But if it's up to you, it's up to you and you got to carry that all on your own. (laughs) And that does not guarantee happiness. That guarantees a heck of a lot of stress, overwhelm, anxiety, and all the things. That is not being set free indeed. So all that to say, you can see these are just seven different life areas that are very common for all of us to be thinking about, investing in, working through, right? So these divine dates to recalibrate, I initially was introduced to maybe a similar concept by an author named Julia Cameron. And she had this book called The Artist Way. And one of the things that she did in there was she had artist dates. So this was just a set time once a week where you would meet with yourself and just assess how am I doing? And particularly, The intention here was to create, (laughs) right? To just let your creativity flow. But I needed that in a very practical, literal sense. At this point in my life, when I was introduced to her, I believe it was in grad school, but I was so good at prioritizing other people, people people-pleasing, perfectionism, high achieving. I was so good at all the doing that I had no clue how to get slow enough to set time on my calendar just for me. And it was actually scary to think about what I would do in that time by myself, right? Like I could think of so many other things to do versus just sit and spend time with myself when really you are gonna be spending time with yourself the most during the course of your life, right? Like you've got to have a good relationship with you. And how could you ever have a relationship with God if you can't even relate with you, right? How could you say that you do, you know who you are when you don't spend this time with yourself? It's wild. So at any rate, it revealed a lot. So now 
I set these divine dates to recalibrate. My recommendation is doing them daily. So having quiet time, being able to journal, being able to pray, being able to make lists, being able to do whatever you need to do, come up with a plan, write a vision so that you can really see what is it that you need? How can you set healthy boundaries? How can you communicate this to the people that really matter in your life? right? How can you take some time out? How can you schedule this into your calendar just like you would with anything else? Now, I get it. If you're busy, what I found that was very helpful was getting up earlier, right? That was that was what I needed with all the other things that I was juggling. So I would get up earlier. So having this time, whether it's early in the morning, whether it's during your lunch hour, even if you have to go sit in your car by yourself or in the evening is so, so valuable to see where are you off course? Where are you out of alignment? Because going through life with anything out of joint, (laughs) right? Picture that is painful. Okay. And although you might not see the effects today of being out of alignment, they will come up. Absolutely. They will come up. If you are out of alignment in a relationship, what do you think is going to happen? If you are out of alignment in your role or your position at work, what do you think will happen? If you are out of alignment in your service, in your ministry, what's going to happen? If you are out of alignment with your health and your self-care practices and your wellness journey, what is going to happen? So it is so, so important. (laughs) If you are out of alignment spiritually, right? What's going to happen? Super important to make dates, these divine dates to recalibrate. You will leave a new human every time you do this. And if daily seems like way too much, at least once a week, you've got to stretch yourself to do that at least once a week. So during these divine dates, you can look at these different seven areas of your life. A lot of times it's probably easier than you think. These areas will just be highlighted to you and you can seek divine wisdom and revelation and you can pray about these areas and really get different outcomes, okay? So today, we are going to recalibrate around the area of finances because it is such a big thing. People want to be blessed. They want to level up. (laughs) They want to step into that next place. They know there's more for them. But a lot of times, and I see this a lot, specifically in the realm of coaching, Yes, it's okay to want those things, but don't deny the fact that there's co-laboring involved. There's partnering with God involved. There is work involved. You don't just snap your fingers and it happens. God is not a genie, (laughs) right? And you, in your own strength, cannot bring the same results that God can bring to you. So personal finance is actually 80% behavior. And you can start with exactly where you're at. So all of those thoughts that you may have about, well, when I have this amount of income or when I hit this level of financial freedom, whatever it is, then I'll do X, Y, or Z. Lies. (laughs) Personal finance is 80% behavior. And you don't get better at it by running from it, okay? You get better at it by behaving differently, okay? You don't. Another way to say that? You don't outgrow behavioral problems. You have to learn to discipline yourself. And this learning curve, depending on background, who you are, how you manage things today, can take some time. It's a process. You just don't arrive there, okay? God can bless you, right? Like a really good example is God can deliver you from something, but you still have to walk out the new life, right? You could be completely healed, completely delivered from an addiction, from something that's been 
holding you back. But how then do you walk out that new life? Pick up your mat and walk, meaning don't go back to where you were. Don't forget what that was like and how painful and how much that restricted you. Now walk in this newness of life, right? How do you do that? It's going to require a completely new mindset. It's going to require assigning new meaning to things. It's going to require discipline and self-control because you will still be tempted. There will still be challenges. Okay, so here are five ways to bring on the blessings. Blessings on blessings on blessings, right? Okay, so here are five ways. Number one is, this could be a Habakkuk, right? But write the vision and make it plain. In other words, make a plan. Write up a plan. Something about having a blank sheet of paper and writing a plan on it and then moving those things to a calendar and making it real is so, so powerful. It gets whatever is in your head on paper. It gets it out of you. And once it's out of you, you're responsible for it. So a lot of times we don't do that because we we would like to be in denial, right? <laughs> what we're in denial about, we don't have to face, but you can't fix what you won't face. So write a plan. Here's some reasons for it. Luke, this is Luke 14, 28. Suppose that one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Wisdom, straight up wisdom right here. Before you go into anything, before you launch that new venture, before you invest in that course, before you do whatever that next thing is, won't you estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? I think so, right? Would you go build a home if you don't know how much it costs? Think about that. Another one to drive this point home, Matthew 25, 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So this is highlighting the gradual process of you write a plan, you obey, you take these inspired actions, right? And little by little, as you become more excellent in how you steward what's in your hand, you'll be given more, right? If I can trust you with this little bit, I can trust you with more, okay? And I encourage you to even think if you are in a job right now where you are stewarding somebody else's resources, Sure, maybe that's less pressure on you, but think about that. If you are good in stewarding somebody else's resources, then you can have your own, okay? So do not take that for granted. It is not random. It is a test, okay? So, because remember, we're growing up in God, all right? So we're really working on spiritual maturity, and this is a maturity thing, okay? So... If I am faithful with what is in my hand, with what I have now, without tripping about what other people have, without getting caught up in how I don't have these things that I want or how long it's going to take me, if I am just faithful with what I have right now, I can receive more. And honestly, it's not about the receiving more. It's about the character development, okay? Because when you've got the right character to handle money, the money is not going to be a problem. All right. That's number one. Number two, number two is act your wage. (laughs) You see what I did there? Act your wage, not your age, but you know, age is relative. 
act your wage. So what this means is don't live on more than you have. Don't live on more than you have. A lot of times we see this with credit cards. We see this in these conspicuous consumption examples that I shared, you know, buying these clothes that you you can't afford. And even I've seen people, this is wild, I didn't know that people did this, but they keep the tags on them, they wear them out, and then they go return them. Like, that is wild to me that that happens. But that's an example, right? So, oh man, don't live on more than you have. Don't live on more than you have. What does that mean? That actually means self-control. And if you know me, I am obsessed with self-mastery. It's all about how you can use your will to really like harness the power to move forward towards this vision of what God has for you, this future self, right? So you can practice this delayed gratification. You can ignore all this conspicuous consumption because you see it for what it is, and you can devote yourself to your character development, right? So that when you arrive at this place, because it's only a matter of time, when you arrive at this place, you can really handle that because you've done the work to close the gap, okay? So it's developing self-control. And another way to look at that is completely eliminating impulse buys and, and using discipline and helping yourself to do this. So delete an Amazon Prime account. If you cannot handle spending, delete that account. Make it hard for yourself. Don't have like an instant login where you just put in your password and you can buy whatever you want. Delete that from your phone. Delete the account. Delete it, right? If you watch all of these subscription programs on TV, delete that stuff. Delete cable for a while and replace the cable with developing your relationship with God. Interesting. A bit of a stretch, right? (laughs) Another thing that you can do is you can force yourself to wait. So you can go look around for things that you think that you need, but force yourself to wait. Go into stores and don't buy anything. See what that feels like. See if you still want it a week later. Don't just buy it on the spot. Do not give in to what the salespeople will tell you because they're not looking at your best interests and they don't know what is in your pocket, okay? An example of this, Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Another way to say it, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. None of that sounds good to me. (laughs) So in any stage in life, in any level, you will exercise self-control. And usually with the greater exposure, there's a greater level of responsibility as well. So what you don't practice now, you don't suddenly get good at, all right? Number three, number three is save money. Save money, okay? So I've seen this happen a lot of time if there's a promotion or a bonus, that money is not put into savings. That money goes out right that next weekend, right? And it's gone, it's just gone. You don't even see it. All right, so that is not a good practice. (laughs) And what helps is if you have this future vision because that's what you're saving for. You're not just living 
for today, okay? You're saving for things. And here's a couple of ways to look at that. Number one, you wanna save for some sort of emergency. And this doesn't have to be directly related to you. This could be for family. If you have to fly across the country, if there's a medical procedure, if there's something going on, you wanna have money for that and you don't wanna think twice. And an emergency fund is typically three to six months of expenses. So think about that. You want to have that in a savings account, three to six months of expenses. And that's not a vacation fund, that is an emergency fund. So that's number one. Number two is practice paying cash for things. There's something very literal <laughs> that happens when you're seeing money go out, right? When you're physically handling that money, you see it go out so you know that it's not yours versus if you just have a credit card and you just swipe it, there's no emotion attached to that, okay? so pay cash for things like literally put yourself on a budget and use that cash until that cash is gone right if you're only spending let's say it's two hundred dollars a week okay what is that going to include is that going to include groceries coffee what is that going to include a night out like what is that so picture that picture that when it's cash it's different usually when it's a card that 200 becomes 600 real quick. So it's really, really important to pay cash for things. Number three is invest in wealth building. Invest in wealth building. So even if you are the age of 30, let's say, if you start investing $100 a, a month, right, into some sort of investment that can grow in time, when you are 70, that is, one point something million dollars that could really, really make a big difference, but it's not that much now, right? Like that $100 could be your Starbucks every month. So invest in wealth building. A really good example of that is Proverbs 21.20. Proverbs 21.20, and this says, the wise store up choice food in olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down, okay? Another way to say it, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Okay, the word is making it plain, all right? You don't need to add to that. It is foolish to just spend everything that you get on yourself, all right? Lastly, number four, get out of debt. Get out of debt. So car payments, mortgage payments, student loans, okay? be working to get out of that. Now, if you're there, again, start with where you are, but these are the goals. This is what you're working towards. You are working towards getting out of that, okay? So here it is, Proverbs 22, seven, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. So you only want one master and that's God, right? When you get out of debt, you're not working for two masters. That's super, super important. So you need to start with what you have now and build for what God has called you to do, okay? Start with what you have now and build for what God has called you to do. You are not designed to live just from paycheck to paycheck, okay? And God is a God of abundance and he lavishes his goodness on his servants, right? So he's not wanting you to live in a limited place, okay? But you have a part to play to move to a different place, an abundant place, all right? And then number five, so the five ways to bring on the blessings, 
Number one was write out a plan. Number two was actual wage. Number three was save money. And number four is give your tithes. Now, again, I am not the tithe police either, (laughs) but I know this to be true from being on both sides of this, the difference between passing this test and trusting God with, with the first fruits that you're given, okay? So in my opinion, tithing is life, not law, okay? Tithing is life, not law. So I'm going to give you some background to show you where this comes from and break it down a little bit, all right? So the first one is Leviticus 27.30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord, okay? So tithing is holy to the Lord, all right? Then we have Genesis 28.22. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Okay? Another one is Malachi 3, 10 through 11. Malachi 3, 10 through 11. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Check that out. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vine in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So in this verse, there's a promise of provision when you tithe. And there's also the promise that whatever the devourer is, right, God's going to rebuke that. God's going to cut that off, okay? So you will get to keep what you're working for as well. That won't be devoured. And then another one is Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So this is giving God 10% because it's really a heart test, right? Are you trusting your job more than you're trusting God? Are you trusting what you can do and what you can control more than you're trusting God? What are you putting before God? Okay, so that is really, really huge. It's a test. All that I have is yours, right? So it's thanking God first. And he's saying, test me, test me and see, test me and see. And I'm somebody that needed to test and see. I really did. I was in a place where I didn't trust. I was really afraid to make that shift of trusting God and having faith with finances because I was so used to just earning what I could create or what I could build or what I can control because that I could figure out, right? But what would it mean if I couldn't figure it out anymore? (laughs) What would it mean if I were to have faith in this area or if I were to trust God big here, right? And just be bold and courageous about it. What would that mean? What would that look like? And so it is a test. Um, And so it did, it did turn into that for me. And I know in my own testimony, it led for sure to a greater place of provision when I made that shift. And it was a conscious shift and a very intentional one. And I saw God show up. All right. 
So James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So every good and perfect gift is from God. When we think it's from ourselves, our own doing, we get it twisted. Okay. Another one is, this is 2 Corinthians 9 and then 6 through 10. Okay. It is so, so important to back all of these things so that it's not just opinion. So back it with the word. In any area where you are needing wisdom, when you are needing guidance, the word has got you, okay? So again, that was 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not what the pastor tells you to give, not what you're pressured to give, not what you watch on TV and you're, you know, guilted into giving. None of that is is here. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, okay? And God is able to bless you abundantly. Who's able to do it? Maybe not you, maybe not your boss, but God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, hear that, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, all that you need, you will abound. You will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, he gives you the seed. He gives you seed that you plant, okay, that you cultivate. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. All right? Pay attention to that. That is so, so powerful. Okay. And then last verse, if you haven't gotten it, Matthew 23, 23. Matthew 23, 23. This is where Jesus is calling out the Pharisees. So we ain't about being Pharisees, all right? Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So it says here, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, these are really, really weighty things. However, it is just as important to give a tenth of your of your tithe, right? As it is to be practicing those things. So don't just do one and think that covers how you should show up. Show up well, but also tithe, okay? So this, as you can see, this is all principle. <laughs> These are all things that you can apply to your life so that you can be a blessing, right? If you're not good at managing money, how can you really bless and provide for your family and those that you're connected to? If you don't have self-control, right, what did it say? You're like a city with broken down walls. You've got nothing, right? If you don't act your wage, right, what do you do in these situations that life brings to you? You'll be scrambling. It'll be chaotic. It'll be messy, right? So this is all testing, it's character development, it is spiritual (laughs) self-mastery, 
And it's also preparing you. You've been blessed, right? Every good and perfect gift is from above. God has got you, but there's a working out of what God has put in you, right? He's put seed in you and you've got to grow. You've got to cultivate. You've got to nurture, okay, for that to flourish. So think about this. These are three things that you can do. So 10%, save 10%, and spend the rest with wisdom. This is what you can do every week, every month, every day, okay? So every month, you're sowing 10% of whatever you're earning, okay? Let's just work with $200, right? <laughs> um, so if you have $200, right, you give $20, you keep and save and put away like you don't see it, okay, $20, and then you get to keep the rest and spend it however you choose. And that's requiring a lot of wisdom. If you choose to save more, you can. If you choose to invest that into a course or into something that's going to help give a return on investment, that's something that I've always done. I've always invested in things that will grow me because I know I'm an investment. So what can I learn? in order to take this business further? What can I learn in order to develop my character? A lot of times that's been ministry trainings. What can I study so that I can be of better service in this specific area? So it could be anything. It could be communication, marketing, emotional intelligence, um, entrepreneurship, right? There could be so many different things to study, but that's an investment, okay? And you can do that when you've done those other things right? When you've sown, <laughs> right? When you've sown your tithe, 10%, when you've saved 10%, then you've got this extra and you get to decide what to do with it. That's when you can decide. Do you want to go spend it on clothes? Do you want that to be a car payment? Do you want that to be something that can be a return on investment? You know, every time that I've invested in a course or in coaching or in mentoring or something to that degree, I have been the return on investment. I make that back. And I challenge my, like I test myself in that, right? Like if I know that I've been led to this thing, I will invest in it and I'm just trusting that God will multiply that back to me by what he does in and through me, right? As I grow, as I do the work, I'm going to multiply that investment, okay? So I hope these things blessed you. I think a couple of takeaways from this message that you can really challenge yourself to do one would be set these divine dates to recalibrate because although we're focusing on finances today, there could be different areas to really focus on. Relationships, health, career. There could be many different areas to focus on. So set a divine date to recalibrate at least once a week for an hour. You deserve at least once a week for an hour. Set a divine date to recalibrate. Number two, you can challenge yourself to tithe for 90 days. Just, just challenge yourself to do that and see what God does. Challenge yourself. If you need to be able to test God, okay, that might be where the development is for you right now. So test it. Test it and see. Tithe for 90 days and watch what God does, okay? And then the other thing that you can do is apply these principles. Start with the first one and work your way through. What is the plan? What is your financial plan, okay? How can you make the most of what you have now so that you can acquire more? How can you do that? Okay. How can you act your wage? <laughs> How can you challenge yourself to save more every month? Okay. 
These are all things that you can practically do. And there's been a ton of words. So the great thing about podcasts is that you can re-listen, you can pause, and you can write down the verses if you want to go study. I find that when you look at the verses and you study different versions of them, it can really challenge you and your thinking. Sometimes it's just one word that really resonates in a way it said it differently didn't. So explore that. And if you do want to invest more in yourself, I have several coaching programs. There's a couple called Spiritual CEO, Spiritual CEO. And that is a new launch, really exciting. I've compiled so much information there. It's amazing. And I do have a payment plan option or a pay in full option. So Spiritual CEO, you can go to julianapage.com and book a call. On that, there is also a six-week self-mastery course called U2.0 that has a lot of information about this period of self Period. Why do I keep saying period? <laughs> this pyramid, pyramid, triangle, okay? This pyramid of self-mastery or the wheel of life really hone in on these life areas and give you practical tools. And it's video-based and there's a ton of worksheets. So, so good. Lots of content there. I think there's actually 24 assignments. So that's something that you can do self-paced. I say six weeks is a good gauge of how much time it can take you, but that's considering you probably have other things that you're juggling in your life. So that's available over there, and there's a few books over on the website as well. So if that is of interest, make sure that you go check that out, julianapage.com. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Juliana Page, to get other messages like this. I release them every day of the week except weekends. So there's a new video that you can be tuning into to really apply this spirit-filled real talk to your life. All right, guys, I hope this message blessed you. And until next time, stay blessed. <laughs>